Welcome to the Dynasty Nerds Fantasy Football Podcast, where we discuss dynasty strategy, rankings, and all things NFL. So get ready to geek out on fantasy football with your host, Rich Dotson. And welcome to the Dynasty Nerds Fantasy Football Podcast. I am your host, Rich Dotson, here with my fellow nerds, Matt O'Hara. Hey, hey. And Garrett Price. How's it going? It's going good now that we've gotten through our mock drafts. The draft is settled down, and we know where these prospects are. We know what's going on, uh, well, up to the today at least. And we can finally start ranking these players, right? Not, not who's our favorite running back or go down the running back list or go down the receiver list or the tight end list. Let's just rank these players overall. Who likes a good ranking? I know I do. And I know you guys do as well, because this is how you set your draft. And because just because you have somebody ranked doesn't mean you're going to you're necessarily have to draft that player in that order, because a lot of these players are very, very close. But like anything, you do have to set order and you do got to get these guys an official place in this 2020 class. So what we're going to do over these next couple of weeks is we're just going to go right down our list. And what we did was we took my rankings Garrett's rankings and Matt's rankings, and we combined them for an average. And it's not, so it's not going to be the actual Dynasty Nerds rookie rankings. It's just the podcast rankings. It's ours. If you want to see the whole site's rankings, obviously get on DynastyNerds.com, join the herd, check out the rankings, get the extra podcast, get all the bonus, bonus tools we have on there. It's the one year anniversary of the Nerd Herd launching. So why not be a part of something special? We got new tools on the way. You're not going to want to miss them. Definitely breaking down this class, guys, because I haven't seen a class that looks this good since two. The, I don't even remember. I don't. I don't even know the last time I was excited about a class that was this talented. Yeah, no, no doubt, man. This is. Uh, was it 2014? Was that really good class? Uh, they're all kind of starting to blur together me, uh, for me. But you know, the, the one with Odell Beckham and all those guys in it yeah, was a that's pretty. Was a, yeah, was a pretty special draft. But this one. Uh, is right up there with it. If not, I, I mean, I think this one's even deeper. So, I, you know, this one's in my eyes, even better than the 2014, but time will tell, you know, time will tell. Yeah, Matt, you're right. And this is the best class I've seen since 2014. And if you've been on YouTube, this class is on the same level as Matt O'Hara when it comes to looks. So it's looking pretty damn good. Uh, if you ask me, so let's well, just get well, right into you. this. <laughs> Don't thank me. Thank all, thank all the people that go on there. Everybody's watching these YouTube videos, which you can find yeah. the Dynasty Nerds YouTube channels. But all these comments about how handsome Matt is, not one comment about how handsome Garrett or Rich or myself are. I'm nope, talking myself nothing. in third person. <laughs> I'm, I'm blushing over here, Rich. It's a good thing it's not a YouTube channel right now. Yeah, welcome to my world. Nobody <laughs> likes me. Call me Eeyore. But you know, enough of that. Hey, I feel good on the inside. That's all that matters. I'm pretty on the inside, and my mom says I'm special. So it's a good day. Let's get into these 2020 rankings, shall we, fellas? Let's do it, man. Now, the first guy we have overall ranked here is Clyde Edwards Alaire. Guys, we couldn't have found a better spot on the set of 101 Dalmatians because this is a perfect fit with the Kansas City Chiefs. He's our cons- well, he's not our consensus 1 1 because Garrett thinks otherwise. And if you listen to the podcast last week, I think I've said my fair share on Clyde Edwards Alaire. I think we've all kind of said our fair share in these players here uh, at the top end, but I, I got to stand pat with everything I said last week. Garrett, what do you think? What are you looking at, Jonathan Taylor Wise, optimistically, rushing yards and receiving yards this year in 2020? Yeah, I, I think in a rookie season, you have to temper expectations for all of these players, uh, especially in a strike, sort not a strike, but with the coronavirus, the the, sh- the shortened offseason is going to impact a lot of these guys. And we've already heard stuff come out, and I think it's more GM speak than anything else, but we've already heard, um, you know, Veach come out for the Chiefs saying, you know, Williams is still going to be involved, and Clyde Edwards Alaire is going to have to earn his job. And, you know, they haven't officially come out and said that with the Colts, but I'm sure they'll say the same thing about Marlon Mack. You know, it, I think it's more coach speak than anything else but uh, there will be a season where you know it it might be a little bit tougher at the beginning of the year all of that said um i i think i would be i would be expecting probably 1100 yards rushing um from jonathan taylor 
The interesting thing will be in the receiving game. Um, oh, and for touchdowns, probably like in the eight ballpark for touchdowns, um, rushing. And then I would probably say like 250 yards receiving and a touchdown uh, would be kind of what I'm thinking. What do you think Clyde Edwards-Lair is going to rush for with the Chiefs? I think his rushing yards will be lower. Um, my guess is I'd say like 750. Okay, and what do you think receiving output? I'll say around... 500 okay so you would you would put them right around they're right around 1300 yards 1350 a piece and then there you go but then you would just add all those receptions onto Clyde Edwards Alaire in the PPR leagues to surpass him and that's what that's my point Garrett is even even I've said this before even with Jonathan Taylor rushing for a lot of yards when it comes to all-purpose yards, that's where Clyde Edwards is going to, uh, you know, eclipse a lot of these other players in this draft and in the NFL in general. And I, I do you take the all-purpose yards, and then you add on the receptions. You're talking about a potential 80-point differential when it comes to fantasy football points overall in a year. I I, I think the, the difference for me would be, um, you know, it, with it being dynasty, it's not just the one season. I could see Jonathan Taylor being that that workhorse long-term and developing that passing game. But I'm also concerned that that Clyde Edwards where Alaire might not be used as much near the goal line. So I think those touchdowns could be, could be less for, for Edwards Alaire. And Matt, he, Clyde Edwards, you've said is your clear one, one, this draft class too. Would you want to add anything uh, pile on Garrett? Why he's wrong? No, I mean, I think you did a pretty good statistical breakdown. I was trying to run the numbers kind of while you guys were talking as well. And really, if if that scenario played out, it, it's only a few fantasy points difference, and that's even you know that's with uh, Clyde Edwards getting around fifty catches for the, to, to make up that uh, five hundred yards, which he could probably get a little bit more. So you know you are looking at a guy that's pro- most likely you know in, in, as long as both these guys stay healthy in Clyde Edwards Alaire, a guy that's going to score you more points year one right off the bat. As long as these, I think, pretty conservative um, projections come true. So yeah, I, and those are I, extremely conservative, Matt. I mean, talking. I mean, Kareem Hunt caught fifty-five footballs his rookie year, so right. I would, ex- I would absolutely imagine Clyde Edwards at least hit that margin. I know it's only five more, but still, five more receptions with another, say, what thirty yards on top. We're talking about another eight points. You know, I mean, these this all adds up. It's it's point by point by point, and when we got to be nitpicky with these players, we're looking at every point possible. And you're right, Garrett. This is Dynasty Fantasy Football. And with Dynasty Fantasy Football, we're looking at long-term. And there's no better long-term running back in the NFL that produces year in, year out than the PPR running back. They're the one things you can always rely on. Because even when you don't want to rush them in between the tackles down the road, you still have that pass-catching ability. And like we've been saying all the whole time is Clyde Edwards is the best pass-catching back in this class. And that's what he brings to this game. And the fact that he's there for five years – He's going to be in Kansas City at the very least for five years if he's if he's going to pan out, which we all agree we think Clyde Edwards is going to pan out. So that's five years you have matched up with Pat Mahomes, who will sign a record-breaking contract here very soon, who will be guaranteed to be there the entire five years there. Tyreek Hill is there for three years, and that might get extended here maybe in the next two years as well. So for me, it's not only that Clyde Edwards-Alaire is in the best spot. I think he's in the safest spot. He's... He is really in a, 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 a spot where he can be just, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, insulated? Not insulated. No, insulated by his uh, by his PPR production, absolutely. Yeah, look at this guy. He's a, he's a walking Yeti. I mean, dude, take him fishing. <laughs> Open him up a week later. Still, still looking good in there, right? Absolutely. <laughs> so those, ice cubes, those ice cubes never melt. We'll put it. <laughs> so Garrett, sir, we're still here. We're still sitting here, Garrett. Two weeks after draft, and you, you, after all this argument back and forth, you still have Jonathan Taylor as your one-one. Yeah, I do. Um, I, I still think he is uh, in a, in an excellent spot with that offensive line. Uh, I think that team's going to utilize him like crazy. Um, whereas, you know, I, I do think that there could be a, a point in time where just the the overall touches just don't quite get to where where it'll be for Jonathan Taylor and uh, I, I think we're gonna see some some pretty monster numbers like I, like I've reiterated I feel like a hundred times I have no problem with either one being one one it's just if I'm on the clock and I have to choose six 
of the 10, I'm, I'm choosing Jonathan Taylor. The other four, I'll take CEH. I think they're both really fantastic players. And it's really just splitting hairs for me at this point. Okay. Yeah. I, I, again, if you didn't listen to last week's episode, I went on about a three-minute rant why Clyde Edwards-Lair is locked in as the 1-1. And it should be no other way. So make sure you're turning that. But, but without further ado, it, there's there's not much more we can say about Clyde Edwards-Lair that we've already said. He, he's a Dynasty Nerds 1-1 between the three of us. It's shown in the ranks. Our consensus two here, not consensus, but our overall two between our rankings is Jonathan Taylor for the Indianapolis Colts. And this is the best match I've seen since Federer, Federer and Nadal in 08. I mean, it's a Taylor fit with the Colts. It's why Garrett's moved him up to his number one because it's he loves the fit. He loves that power run scheme that they run. And and he's, he's banking on that pass catching ability to kind of come out kind of like James White, Melvin Gordon, those Wisconsin running backs have shown over the years. That worries me a lot, that 16% drop rate in the passing game at Wisconsin and just not being overly efficient there is a big concern with me with Jonathan Taylor. Uh, this probably would have changed a little bit. I, th- our rankings would probably be overall different after I moved J.K. Dobbins to number two overall. I flip-flop on this all the time where I feel like I'm making a mistake having Jonathan Taylor as my two, and I need to get J.K. Dobbins in as my two. But you got to admit, this is a fantastic fit with the Colts with what they have going on with that offensive line. They have Phillip Rivers in there who could dump the ball off to him. But you have to have the concern... Garrett, they have another young guy there in Naheem Hines that can catch the ball pretty well. I mean, that's its skill set for the Colts is catching the football. So that might limit Jonathan Taylor a little bit there as well. I know they invested a high draft pick in him, but a lot of teams invest in runners that can catch the ball well and still get that change of pace. He's with the Colts. It's a great spot. Any running back that went there, we would love it. Garrett said enough about Jonathan Taylor. Matt, what do you love about Jonathan Taylor in the Colt with the Colts? I mean, obviously it's the it's the offense and the offensive line in general. That, that is, you know, what I really like on top of the fact that he's a very, you know, special runner to begin with. And, you know, he's, he's this feature back size. He's five foot 10, 226 pounds. So he's going to be able to do everything. He's going to, he, he never has to come off the field on goal line or short yarded situations. I think he catches the ball well enough that they can keep him, keep him in there in, in even some third down situations as well. And, you know, you look at Marlon Mack's numbers who, you know, Marlon Mack in my eyes is just a pedestrian back. I think all of us kind of feel that way. And he was running back 22 last year and he missed two games. So, you know, you put in a, you plug in a better offensive weapon and a better all around running back than a Marlon Mack into that offense behind that offensive line. And in my opinion, he's automatically in the running back one um, picture and conversation. So that, I mean, that's what I like about Jonathan Taylor summed up in, in a nutshell. So lots, a lot to like good situation and, and a really talented player with, with high end speed for a guy that big, you do not find guys that are 226 pounds that can run a four, three, nine. That's just almost unheard of. Yeah, he, he's got that breakaway speed and run the, running through those holes. He, he definitely has have some big plays out there. Indianapolis, you know, potential is through the roof. Mm-hmm. He could just crush it. But there is a lot of, you know, things to worry about here. And I'm not even worried about the usage at all that he had over 300 carries there in Wisconsin. I think, what, almost over the last three years, he had like 968 total touches. It was 299, 307, and then 320. So, yeah, basically 300 uh, past three years. Yeah, so this is a guy, though, like – we mentioned his fumbling a lot, and that's and it's not just something he fixed. Like sometimes, oh, he fumbled a lot as a freshman. Like he, this is something he did consistently as Wisconsin was fumble the football, and that could be an issue at the next level. And I and I know we talk about you know Wisconsin running backs and you know coming out there and then you know switching their pass catching ability in the NFL, but there is there is some worry there with his pass catching ability. Can he catch the football? Yes, and I know Matt. Before when we talked, you were like, "Oh, you know, twenty six catches isn't is nothing to sneeze at." But you also, you know, all you see is the twenty six catches, but you don't see, you know, how many drops he had in a passing game. And I think it was right around sixteen percent, and that's that's an astronomical number and something that's not going to fly at the next level. Like there's, they're just not going to use you then. If that's what you're going to do, they're just not going to use you. It's not going to. It doesn't matter that you're the Doke Award winner and you you're back. You know, you ran over two thousand yards in back to back seasons. That does not matter in the NFL. 
is either you produce or you sit down. So if he can't be efficient in the passing game because he just can't get it done, kind of like Jordan Howard. Now, Jordan Howard had stone hands, but Jordan Howard's drop rate wasn't, I don't think, at like 16%, which is astronomically high. I mean, it could have been, but I think they wised up pretty quickly and stopped throwing the football. And for me, that's just a concern. My biggest concern is Jonathan Taylor is not his running. He's the best pure runner in his class. His speed and his vision is as good as it comes. Again, not only in his class, with any running back in the NFL, pretty much. He's that talented. But again, that doesn't always produce fantasy football numbers. You have to be involved in the passing game to be one of the elite fantasy football running backs. It's not an option, guys. This is not something that we say, okay, well, you rush for this many yards. You can rush for 1,600 yards, but you're not going to do that year in and year out, first of all. It's just not going to happen. And unless you're scoring touchdowns in Indianapolis, and a lot of them, then you're going to be in trouble, and you're going to be looking at running back eight, running back nine consistently. Is that a bad thing? No, that's an absolutely amazing thing. You're making that thing. sound like it's terrible. No, no, and I'm not. I, I, that's, not, that's not where I'm going with this, Garrett. It's not terrible at all. It's not. I don't mean that by any means, and I love John. I mean, Garrett, we have him as number two in this, cla- this, this class that's amazing. I'm just saying when you when you have an opportunity for a guy, it goes back to my Clyde Edwards-Alaire, that could be okay, – if Austin Eckler could be running back three with Melvin Gordon on the team and what he did – there's no way that Clyde Edwards-Alaire can't consistently be, you know, for the least, let's say for the next four years, running back one, two, three, four. Those are the numbers we're talking about. And, like, we're hoping, Jonathan, like, to me, that seems, like, pretty safe for me with Clyde Edwards. Just just to produce, like, not astronomical numbers. Just give me what Austin Eckler got with the, with the L.A. Chargers last year. For Jonathan Taylor, we need him to rush for a lot of yards. We need him to somehow get way more efficient in the passing game, and then we need him to score touchdowns. But basically, we just need him to get involved in the passing game. So I mean, we're, ask, we're asking him to do more. You know what I mean? It's just not saying he can't. I'm not again, I'm not saying he can't do it, but the statistics show that he's going to have trouble doing it. I suppose. I I think we're assuming though that he's just going to like not be involved at all in the passing game. And I, I just don't think that's going to be the case. Like like I said, I, I think 250 receiving yards is is very realistic in a in his rookie season. Um and you know and if we're looking at you know the guy that he gets comp to continuously, which is Nick Chubb, I think he's going to be, you know, Nick Chubb's a fantastic running back. So you know, I, I don't know. I, I think I think we're being a little overly harsh on on one area that I think we don't even fully know yet that he's not good at and they won't use him. We're just assuming that they won't. And and if you're getting the Nick Chubb type of production, that I mean that's all Nick Chubb really offers in the passing game. He 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 got he caught 36 passes for 278 yards last year. And the year before that was 20 for 149. He just does it, you know, he he got four, he got almost 1500 yards and eight touchdowns this past season. So that's why Nick Chubb was so valuable. So I, I definitely think Jonathan Taylor can be that kind of player. Um, and, and you know, Chubb was – he was running back eight last year. So it's a really valuable thing. It's a good thing. But I, like Rich had said, I, I think Clyde Edwards-Alaire has just a little bit more upside. When you, when you look back at a guy that, you know, was coming from the same offense and people are comping uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire too, you go, to, you go to Brian Westbrook's stats, and this dude had a – a run there where it was 61 catches or 73, 61, 77, and then 90 catches, you know, in like the prime of his career there. Those are big time fantasy numbers. And that's the kind of offense that Andy Reid wants to run. And he wants to have a running back where he can do that kind of stuff. He always has. So that's just, I think where Rich and I see Clyde, Clyde Edwards, Alaire just having a, a little bit more of a bump and ability to be in the top five instead of that. Yes, man. I mean, and that's it. This is again, range. this is not me even pooping on Jonathan Taylor at all. I just want people to have like, know what's like the expectations are. Of course, if he could get together in a passive game, he could, if this guy could catch the ball, football really well, of course he's the one, one. Cause that's, that offsets everything. Cause he's a better runner than Clyde Edwards. But even like you said, Nick Chubb, like I love Nick Chubb. Most people would probably take Nick Chubb ahead of Jonathan Taylor in a startup draft. Maybe some would, maybe some would not. But even then, we have we have Nick Chubb, 
you know, at running back six in our overall rankings. And who's ahead of them? Dalvin Cook, Alvin Kamara, Zeke Elliott, Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley. All those guys bring that pass catching ability to the game. Some people would take Joe Mix ahead of him because he brings that pass catching ability to the game. But all of those guys are much better between the tackles than Clyde Edwards Alaire. You know, we have you Austin Eckler. You, you can argue Alvin Kamara is not that much better you know between the tackles and Clyde Edwards. I'll give yeah, I'll give you I'll give you Alvin, but but the rest of those guys are all, you know, guys that are that are really good between the tackles. If we're comping apples to apples, you know, he's he's more like Alvin Kamara and and Austin Eckler than he yeah, is. Yeah, so but I, I agree with Matt. Dunn. I think when we when we mentioned his catches and you start talking about Clyde Edwards catches at around 50 and right around that number, I think you're really underselling it. And I think you're you're I think everybody who's saying that's sorely mistaken. I think his average is going to be closer to 70. I really do. I think he's going to be that involved in the passing game. I think Andy Reid's going to scheme this. So I think I yeah, think and if you're catching 70 true. footballs as a running back here, you're you're elite. No, you're I get that. For, and you're again, asking I just, for this first We're season. just splitting hairs here. You know what I mean? Like, we're just, this isn't even an argument or anything. It's just we're splitting hairs. These are, we're talking about one-two here. It's a great spot to be in either way. But let's get on to our next guy, shall we? Our number third overall ranked player in his 2020 rookie class who just follow, found, found himself in a terrible, terrible landing spot. JK, JK, JK. Dobbins, that is, because this guy is not in a bad landing spot. This was a this is a spot that I find very intriguing. And the initial reaction is like, oh no, he's paired up with Mark Ingram. Let's jump him down our board. But I love how Matt held true and left him as his number two back. And I feel like I'm remiss not to do that as well because you're right, Matt. This is a team that's building around speed and open everything up. And you know, you we've mentioned this. You guys talked about it on the pod before about this that quarterback that's that run pass option RPO quarterback and a system he ran at Ohio State translates to what they're doing there in Baltimore. And they bring in a guy like Devin Duvernay. They got Marquise Brown. They got Miles Boykin. They got Mark Andrews. Like this, this offense is be opened up. And J.K. Dobbins is going to be the beneficiary of that when it comes to fancy points and he'll be their number one weapon besides uh lamar jackson when it comes to fantasy production i think this is a great land spot i think it's a great spot for a skill set we talk about how good of a spot that christian mccaffrey or not christian mccaffrey that jonathan taylor landed in that clyde edwards alert alert landed in i think if we take a step back and you look at this jk dobbins falls in the exact same category he landed and ideally, now obviously, if you went to the Colts, you could say hey, either one of these teams. If he went to the Colts, if he would have went to the Chiefs, that's great too. But he finds himself with his skill set, where we weren't really talking about the Ravens as much. His skill set fits that team to a T. And you might not be, you know, eating all the benefits of fancy points here in 2020, but I guarantee, starting in 2021, you're gonna have yourself one of the top 12 running backs in fantasy football. I love it, Rich. Uh, I mean, this is a nice little spot, and and you know him and Mark Mark Ingram are very comparable in size as well. You know, uh, I think Mark Ingram's got him from got him by about six pounds. But Mark, but there's no doubt, you know, that like if you if you look at J.K. Dobbins, you look at what Mark Ingram do, they can they can coexist, and you could see a, a perfect path where Mark Ingram is just he, they're kind of splitting carries this year. You know, Mark Ingram's thirty now; he'll be thirty one by the end of the season. And and then and then that's it. And he rides off into the sunset, goes picks another team or, or retires or whatever he does. And then next year, it's the J.K. Dobbins show. And th- and that is very much what I'm banking on. That's why I kept him up there. I love the offense there, and I love the offensive line there. Uh, they're just, they're just dedicated to the run. They want to be a, a run first team. So I I really just love it with Dobbins. I it's interesting because I have Jonathan Taylor at one. I've Clyde Edwards Alaire at two, and I have J.K. Dobbins at three. And and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna reiterate a point about how close they are. But the interesting thing is on all of my fantasy teams so far, I actually have the most shares of J.K. Dobbins. And and partly that's because of, you know, where I'm drafting. But the other reason is if I have a high draft pick, if I'm drafting one or two uh in, in a one QB, or if I'm drafting at, you know, somewhere in the top three, four, five range. Uh, in in super flex leagues, 
I have no problem at all trading down because long-term, I fully expect JK to be in the same tier as both of these players. I think his, you know, more similar to Clyde Edwards-Alaire, I don't know that it's going to be the crazy volume of touches, but I do believe that he is going to be hyper-efficient. I mean, Mark Ingram... Uh, I think as a team last year, they're running backs, and, and I have to go back and look at what the exact stats were, but it was somewhere in like the five yards per carry range with Mark Ingram and Gus Edwards, which Gus Edwards is, you know, a jag if I've ever seen one. And you know, sorry to the Gus Edwards truthers out there. I know they're strong. Um, but, you know, he's a jag if I've ever seen one. And Mark Ingram's best days are clearly behind him at this point. He's still been very effective for his age, but he's not 22-year-old Mark Ingram anymore. And so you add a guy in with this type of ability, and if anything, the offense is only going to be continue to be predicated more on Lamar Jackson and defense is keying on him. You know, we could be seeing somebody pushing that five and a half to even pushing six yards per carry, and I know that seems absurd, but but that's the type of efficiency that he could potentially get in this offense. But even if, you know, it's it doesn't go quite that well and he's still averaging, you know, 4.95, 5.1 yards a carry, that's still going to be on the better end of, you know, running backs in the league year in and year out. You you give him 200 rushes, give him another 50 targets in the passing game, and all of a sudden you find yourself with a legit Yeah, RB1 I'm with you, Gary. The most shares I have of any rookie is J.K. Dobbins. Uh, him and Michael Pittman Jr. both are the two players that had the most shares of out of this draft class. And I love, I love, because this is a guy, you know, we had Swift and we had Dobbins. You know, you had J.K. Dobbins as your 1-1 one, one through for a while there, Garrett. Uh, I had him as my two, mostly my 1-B. Yep. And now we're getting players like Swift and Dobbins who we consistently built up for over a year as our top-end players. Now you're getting them at four, five, six, Seven, you know, these guys are starting to slip where people are jumping up and people are taking guys like Cam Akers out of jam, you know, of him, Jalen Rager out of J.K. Dobbins and Swift. So this this only helps you when you all of a sudden thought you couldn't get one of those elite backs. Now it helps you because now you have a position. You're in a position to get one of these guys. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm I'm. I'm in love with the the value of all of it and you know when you're when you're talking about players that you project to be legit RB1s and even if things go go poorly you know and oh he's running back 13 14 for most of his career like that's still a an incredibly incredibly valuable piece to your team long term so you know when we have this many running backs in a single class or we can legitimately see this kind of upside and you're getting them mid to late first round. It's just it's just so fun. And it's been hilarious to watch Twitter because people will be like, how did, how did I do in my draft? And almost consistently, without even looking, I'm able to just say, oh, you did great. Because if you picked a player in the first round, you probably did great. <laughs> it really you know, is. It's just it's that good of a class. Hard to screw this one up. Yep. Like, you can't mess this draft class up in the first round only the player can it's that it's like nobody can go back and say oh i told you not to take that guy he was crappy because if you're if you're saying any of these guys are bad then i don't know what you're watching because none of them are bad yeah people are like hey how did my draft go i'm like okay who'd you take in the second round oh you took lavisca like it's a it's okay (laughs) (laughs) you know oh you got antonio gibson my guy you you see guys you you see lately too antonio gibson's name starting to come up more and more and he's been moved you know it's like okay all right my guy's getting catching a little steam here I went through and looked last night on my rookie drafts. I told, I put a tweet out there saying the guy that had the most, some of you have a share in of every legal most is Antonio Gibson. Somehow, some way I've got zero shares of Antonio Gibson. I'm not happy about it at all. <laughs> <That's> hilarious. <laughs> um, at all, which I'm the only, I'm the one that I, I was bigger on Antonio Gibson. Than both of you guys, like I've been talking about him since yeah. I watched his tape. Like I've been a big fan of him. I've moved him in my ranking significantly. I just have not been in position to get him because Either goes right before me, or I, I'm sitting there at the top of the second round, and T. Higgins and Michael Pittman are on the board, and I'm like, okay, well, <laughs> I love you, right. I love you, Brandon Just, Gibson, but gotta take Pittman. I mean, you love Brandon Gibson, you love Antonio Gibson, you love all the Gibsons, man. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I love all those Gibsons. You're right. Sorry about that. You know, I love you, Antonio. Antonio. <laughs> Were you a Tayshawn Gibson guy? Were you a Tayshawn yeah. Gibson guy? <laughs> I like Booby Gibson. Uh, Booby oh, Gibson. Wow. So 
let's move on here to but before we do let me give you a word for one of our sponsors and that's reality sports online that's right guys if you've been listening to this podcast by now you've definitely heard of reality sports online they're the most powerful fantasy sports platform where the owners get to build and manage their fantasy teams like an nfl general manager but the question is have you tried it it's time to go see what all the buzz in the dynasty community is about free agency multi-year contracts a rookie draft multi-team trades franchise tags contract extensions first round rookie options with automated contracts and salary cap functionality practice squads and so much more think it sounds complicated it's not the best thing about reality sports online fantasy front office is that it doesn't take any more time than a standard league it just requires more strategy Think you're among the fantasy elite? Well, this is the platform to test your metal. Still not sure? You can test out your general manager skills for free in a mock free agency auction. If you like what you see, use the promo code NERDS to receive a 10% discount on your team or league today. Fantasy just got real at realitysportsonline.com. It's your best site out there today for auction people. Make sure you use the promo code NERDS. You're going to get 10% off. Let's move on to our next ranked player here. So, so far we have one, Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Two, Jonathan Taylor. Three, J.K. Dobbins. And here we sit at number four. And again, just so we talked about J.K. Dobbins, some people feel bad for Swift, but she said it best. Shake it off. This is not that bad of a situation, I don't think, after I thought about it long term. Yeah. Do we love the spot? No. Do we like Matt Patricia and the way he's been coaching that team? No, not really. But if he's going to keep coaching bad, he's going to get the boot. And listen, when Barry Sanders went to the Lions, were the Lions an awesome team? No. Was Barry Sanders awesome? Yes. Swift has the talent to be a great fantasy football running back. He's playing inside a dome. And yeah, Kerryon Johnson's there. And yeah, Kerryon's young. But still, the cream rises to the top. And DeAndre Swift for Dynasty is still a great option here at number four. I still like Swift. I think it's in the the fact that his pass-catching ability is right up there with Clyde Edwards-Alaire, where he can catch the ball very well, run those crisp routes. This isn't a bad spot. And just because the Detroit Lions didn't throw the football last year to the running back doesn't mean they don't throw the football to the running back. We've talked about this on the show too, guys, where Theo Riddick was a viable flex option for fantasy football just a couple years ago. Where are you guys feeling on DeAndre Swift with the Detroit Lions? Obviously, this was our, our mine and your number one running back before the draft. So uh, the skill is there. I mean, on tape, you, you love what you see, the lateral agility um, and the change of directions. And he's a tough runner. He catches passes really naturally. So, you know, what you have to get around and get over is the fact that they've got a guy there, carry on Johnson, that they, they spent a second-round pick on a couple of years ago. I, I know it was a different coaching staff and – and and this is their guy, but he's still a talented player. It's, it, he, he just hasn't been able to stay healthy. So that's kind of why he got a bump down my ranks a little bit, and it looks like both of you guys have, have bumped him down as well. And, and I think I think that's the nuts and bolts of the, the whole argument is, you know, when is, when is DeAndre Swift going to get his clear shot at being the guy? Because once, you know, once there's some clarity there and once he – is the guy, there's no doubt in my mind that he's going to succeed and be right up here with these guys. It's just at this point, the, you know, the J.K. Dobbins, the the Jonathan Taylor, the Clyde Edwards-Alaire, they just have a much cleaner path in my eyes to, to get to that spot where they're atop of the depth chart. You know, J.K. Dobbins, it's probably not going to be this year. It's going to be next year. But I, can, I could see that very clearly, very easily. DeAndre Swift, he's there with another young back who's only 22 right now, so it's it's gonna it's gonna take him, you know, them you know almost getting rid of Carryon Johnson before it's clearly his position, um, which is the reason why he's just getting a slight little a slight little bump here. He's he's fifth in my rankings. He's fourth in both of your guys' rankings, but um, still a, a supremely talented guy. So yeah, and I hope really I'm wrong. still. 
I'm still a Carrion Johnson fan, and I hope they do move on from Carrion Johnson. I hope they find maybe something happens in you know the preseason or some of those lines where somebody needs a running back and somebody can make a move for Carrion Johnson where maybe they get like a fourth round pick for him, something along those lines, because uh, of his youth, something along that, and he gets moved. But I'm still a Carrion Johnson fan. It's just unfortunately his future just will not be with the Detroit Lions. So it's just going to be a patient game with him. And he's lucky for him that, you know, he's only 22. So by the right. time his contract even expires, he will only be going into his, he'll be turning 24 that year. So he'll still be a really young back when they don't extend him, which would be nice. So I think, I think carry a good person to keep your eye on to try and buy down the road as his value just slowly diminishes in dynasty. What are your thoughts on Deandre Swift Garrett? I'm in the same boat. I, I think a lot of people are very, very worried about Swift, but I do think it's one of those situations that we've, we've seen it with a lot of running backs. You know, we, we saw it with, uh, you know, Nick Chubb and Carlos Hyde's the one I go back to a lot of times, but, uh, you saw it with, you know, Jeremy Hill and, and Joe Mixon's another good example where at the time when Joe Mixon was drafted, Jeremy Hill was a very productive fantasy football running back. And so some people were like, Oh, that's kind of a weird landing spot. Kind of hate that. And by the end of the season, it was it was the Joe Mixon show. He was just clearly the more talented player. And, and I think that's exactly what's going to happen here. I think, you know, it, it might be a little muddied at first. And, you know, both guys might get, get some playing time. And, you know, if anything, I think Swift might end up being used more in a third down role a little bit early on, more than, uh, you know, between the tackles a bunch. Obviously, he can do it all, but I think that could be the role that we would see. But that would also lend him to earlier uh, usage because he will still be getting some of those PPR points. So the good news is if you're savvy, if you're paying attention, if you're watching, you will probably you, – you already have a window to buy Swift now because people are willing to trade out of that spot there. And uh, I don't know. I don't know about him. I'd, I'd rather Cam Akers or uh, I don't know. Give me a wide receiver. Uh, uh. You know, people people are, are nervous about it. But I think that price is probably only going to drop more once they see that carry-on is still going to be involved to some extent now. But even long-term, Carrion was never Matt Patricia's guy. That he he wasn't there when he drafted him, and so I do think it's going to be the DeAndre Swift. Even if it still ends up being a committee to some extent somewhere, I still think he's going to be the clear A, no matter what the situation is. Yeah, I mean, look at what Austin Eckler did as a committee back, right? Even if you go back to not even last year. You go back to 2018 when Austin Eckler was a committee back. There's a period there when they're both healthy that. Austin Eckler was still a running back one. I don't know it was like a running back nine right around there, but he was still a running back one, and you could still do that. We saw Duke Johnson be a running back one because of his pass catching ability. And you're right when it comes to DeAndre Swift, Garrett. He's like a nymphomaniac. He can do it all. So for me, we're going to look back at this and see DeAndre Swift as probably one of the best values in this draft class. So that's, that's, I think when we come back to it, obviously there's a lot of busts and some of these are probably going to bust, but I feel more sure about this first round than any first round I've ever felt. Probably Matt, since like you mentioned, 2014. And to be honest, that all p- panned out pretty well. But even at the back end, you know, we didn't love Doriel Green, but we love, okay, we like Doriel Green Beckham. But it wasn't as confident, I don't think, as this class is. And and they didn't have nearly the running backs in that class either. It was a lot of good receivers, but there wasn't. Yes. I mean, wasn't that wasn't that Bishop Sankey and yeah, Carlos Bishop Sankey was in there. And, uh, yeah, I think it was that class. So I mean, there wasn't a lot of good running backs in that class. There was just an overabundance of receivers, which helped a lot. But yeah, there there wasn't the running backs that we have here on top of the really talented wide receiver. Those are the podcasts that put us on the map, man, because that's the, that's the year the Dynasty Nerds podcast debuted. And, you know, I was telling everybody not to take Bishop Ranky because I was like, this guy's not that good, man. I was like, that's where it all came from. I remember back in the old days, of like, we haven't done that joke in years, you know, the the Bishop Ranky riding with all in the backseat of the other turd players out there. So, yeah, this is a point where sometimes situations happen and players' value drops a little bit. If you need a running back, now you're in a position where where you actually trade up to get DeAndre Swift, where you couldn't do that before. 
So our top four players are all running backs in this 2020 class as a as a con, you know a consensus between the three of us when you average our three rankings. Obviously, all of us are not the same. Where Matt has our next player as his number fourth overall player, and our number fourth overall player is the first receiver on the board. We have ranked here at number five, and that's a this is a guy who a lot of people again thought possibly landed in a bad spot, but you know you can tell them the CD. And you know what I'm talking about. It, it goes with Matt. You said that argument about nuts and bolts, and it's the opposite of bolts. So for me, glad you explained that a, joke. I, you know, I didn't think people got it, so I'm glad you worked that through. Well, I'm, I'm glad you explained it to I him. Feel so no, di- I feel so dirty during this episode for some reason. I don't know why. Well, man, after this, you can take a nice cold shower. CD Lamb out here in Dallas. Not out here, but out there in Dallas, Texas, on the Cowboys with Amari Cooper, who has it out in his contract after 21, with Zeke Elliott, with Dak Prescott, with Michael Gallup, with Blake Jarwin, who they extended. This is a fantastic spot. And you know what? I, it doesn't matter where CeeDee Lamb would have went. I would have said it's a fantastic spot for him because he's just that good, people. He's that good a receiver. I said before that like you can make an argument if you need a receiver that bad to make him take 1-1. One, one. I don't longer feel that way now because, one, you don't have to, but you can trade down to three and still get CeeDee Lamb. That's the highest I've seen him go in all my rookie drafts. And he's just the kind of player that transcends his team. Why do I love him in Dallas? Because I think no matter where CeeDee Lamb ended up, he's going to turn into the number one receiver that's going to produce wide receiver one numbers. He's electric. He's amazing with the ball in his hands. The best receiver in his class, potentially, with the ball in his hands. He can go up and get it. He can work the outside. outside. He can work the middle. He works all levels of the field. This guy is a special talent. And playing out there in Jerry's world, he's going to become a star. He's going to surpass Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper's going to drive, you know, and Amari Cooper's a great, fantastic receiver, one of the best route runners I've ever seen coming out of college out of Alabama. Just as good as Jerry Judy, if not better. Amari's going to draw all the number one coverage, right, from the number one cornerback. You got to watch versus Zeke, so you might have to stack the box a little bit. It's just going to open up things for CeeDee Lamb. And I know it wasn't for the COVID. You know, you might be able to say this is a guy who could produce year one with his talent. So it doesn't matter where CeeDee Lamb. I don't care that he's on the Cowboys. It doesn't scare me. He has Dak Prescott, so it's a good thing. Could have been worse. He could have landed on, you know, the Bears with, like, Mitch Trubisky. He could have ended up uh, in Jacksonville with Gardner Minshew. You know, we don't know Gardner's the, the story's still out there on Gardner and we could turn into, but you know what I mean? He could have been in a much worse situation than having a young, talented quarterback like Dak Prescott opposite of him. I expect this marriage to last for a very long time. I love that Jerry Jones did not let him slip by him. He regretted passing on Randy Moss, will not regret passing on CeeDee Lamb. I love the spot, but to be fair, like I said, I would love any spot that CeeDee Lamb would have landed in. I have no problem taking CeeDee Lamb ahead of DeAndre Swift. And to be honest with you, I love J.K. Dobbins. I have no problem taking CeeDee Lamb ahead of J.K. Dobbins if that was your biggest need at receiver. We mentioned we have to do these rankings because you have to rank the players. But when it comes to your actual rookie draft, one, don't be afraid to get your guy, first of all. Who cares what the rankings say? Get your guy, as long as you're not going too far out of the, you know, the tier ADP. And two, if, if you desperately need a receiver because you have Saquon Barkley, Joe Mixon, Miles Sanders, and Josh Jacobs, then you take CeeDee Lamb and you don't look back because you just got yourself a fantastic player that has the potential to be... Three years from now, four years from now, that top six dynasty wide receiver, that top eight overall startup player that you look forward to getting in your rookie draft. We, we've seen this go in dynasty back and forth where the top end of the rankings are receivers. Then it shifts a little back like we're at now where it's running back. It's going to shift back probably again where it's going to be some receivers. It's a depth and, and the market changes. And that's where we're at right now. So I love CeeDee Lamb in Dallas. What say you fellas? Yeah, man. Um, CeeDee Lamb, obviously, you know, you, you hit on all of his, his high points. Um, I think the one thing that you probably left out, you know, he, he is great um, after the catch and, and, and he really does. He attacks all levels of the field with, with you know, you can, you can give him screen passes, you can give him you know, short dump off passes on, on crossing routes, intermediate routes. He gets he can he can beat you deep as well. But the part that 
I like, and I think that is unique um, uh, when you're kind of comparing him to his, his new teammate, Amari Cooper, is he's got really reliable hands. He's a nice hands catcher as well. Where Amari Cooper, you know, that was never really an issue in college, but it it certainly has been for the past few years where he's just unexplicably became become a guy that drops passes. So, you know, C.D. Lamb, I think you're going to get a much more sure-handed guy, and it's going to take him a couple years before he's probably ready to, to you know, take over as the, the, the wide receiver one. But like you said, Rich, there's an out in, in the clause in that Amari Cooper um, contract. I, I believe it's 2021 that they can get out from underneath that, and that's going to be absolutely perfect timing for C.D. Lamb to really be coming into his own and and hitting his stride. And, you know, the third year, uh, you know, rookie, uh, you know, third year wide receiver. Basically, um, they usually that's usually when they come into their own. So it's going to be a perfect scenario for C.D. Lamb to just take over and and fly up the charts. And like you said, he's going to be one of those guys that's Hard to get in one of those startup uh, dynasty drafts a, a few years down the line. See, CD is such a such a talented player. If there if there was one guy that, that they said Garrett, you have to give us one player that you feel the most confident in that six, seven, eight years from now we're going to check back with you and you need to tell us that without a doubt that that player hits. CD Lamb would be the player I would pick. I just do not see a realistic scenario where where he is not successful. Even if, you know, worst case scenario, he's a consistent wide receiver too. That's that's the floor. That's the floor for me. And so, you know, and we're even talking about this out. And Matt, I'm glad you brought it out, that the, the out in 2021. Let's also remember that by that point, Zeke's going to be getting up there. We could mm. easily see a shift. Kellen Moore is a, a really good offensive coordinator, and I think he was handcuffed by Garrett a little bit at times, but he's a really good offensive coordinator. If Dak is still there, we could see this turn into more of an air raid type offense by the time that Zeke is not really in his prime anymore. So I'm very interested to see kind of how all of this shakes out. Uh, but I really genuinely do think that, um, you know, if you want to make sure that you hit CD lamb is your guy. Yeah, that's a good point, Garrett, because you, like you mentioned when it comes to running backs, nothing's a guarantee for anybody. I mean, to be fair, nothing's guaranteed for any player, but the running backs are tops here mostly because, of the dire need of a running back. It doesn't matter how many running backs you have on your roster. You need another running back. One, they're the best trade bait in the business, right? You can get, you can get more for one of those top end running backs a lot of times than one of those like middle of the road wide receiver ones, which again, those guys are very valuable too, but everybody wants an elite running back. It's too fluid of a position to, that you can rely on year in, year out. So everybody's constantly looking to have that depth. And on top of that, the running back position gets hurt more than any other position. So even when you have the guy, there's no guarantee that your guy's not going to miss a couple games because these guys get banged up a lot. So you need that depth. And this is why when you're in a position to get one of the league guys, you just have to do it because even if you have a lot of them, you can go out there and trade for a receiver. You know, there's, there's no receiver you can't get for Christian McCaffrey. There's no receiver you can't get for Saquon Barkley. If you want Michael Thomas, you can get him with a Zeke Elliott, an Alvin Kamara, you know? So that's the value there. So let's, let's move on here uh, with our last guy. We're going to talk about today, our number six overall player. We're going to pick up where we left off and get to another six here on the nerd herd edition. If you're not a member of the nerd, herd, this is a perfect time to join uh, with everything. I go there, just check out dynastynerds.com and uh, make sure you check out the YouTube channel too. We got a lot of free content on YouTube as well as including mock drafts and rankings, but let's get to our number six player here. And we're going to be talking about not Matt's favorite JJ, <laughs> but Jerry, Judy. And this is a guy whose route running ability is fantastic. His route running ability alone will get him more open than someone's butt cheeks after spending $40 at Taco Bell. This is somebody so, that so will dirty. create separation. I feel, I feel so dirty. <laughs> this guy, the problem for this me guy. is this has been me on more than one occasion. I love Taco Bell so much. So this just hit home a little bit more than, than most things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you know what I'm talking about when I'm saying when he's wide open, right? Wide you get open. It. You get it. <laughs> Garrett's like, did I just give birth? 
Uh, it's possible. It's possible. I mean, there's Niagara Falls, and then there's like Niagara Falls with like when you pour like chocolate milk over the falls instead. That's Garrett <laughs> on a good weekend. So Jerry Judy's somebody who's just a really fantastic receiver, right? When you get the ball in his hands, he's dynamic. And his route running is constantly in college creating separation. And that does tra- that's one skill set that always translates to the NFL. It's reasons got why Adam Humphreys and Cole Beasley can contribute at that next level and be somewhat relevant for your fantasy team because they're really good route runners and they can get open and the quarterback can rely on them. Now, when they get the ball, they're not nearly as electric as Jerry Judy is. And of course, we've mentioned Jerry Judy plays soft at times. He can have some alligator arms. But with some good coaches, in there in Denver, definitely the strong-minded coach like Vic Fangio, that could change a little bit. And not only on top of that, look at what he has around him. We mentioned, you know, a guy like CeeDee Lamb and J.K. Dobbins, what they have to open everything else up for them. Look at what Jerry Judy has. Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay. Noah Fant. Cortland Sutton. Where are you going to focus to stop this? For me, this is a player where Jerry Judy might not be the guy that scores tons of touchdowns. Of course, he could. He has that capability, but he's gonna he's gonna be pretty much locked in to catch ninety footballs a year, which is alone again put you at that low end wide receiver one, high end wide receiver two kind of production. To me, Jerry Judy in this draft is a very safe player. Where. We mentioned CeeDee Lamb. Is, CeeDee Lamb surpasses him when it comes to upside because what he could do with the ball in his hands and again, Cherry Judy's electric too. But when it comes to receptions and, and scoring fantasy points, I just see Jerry Judy as an elite prospect. Not a good prospect, as an elite prospect. Like He's better on tape than Cortland Sutton was when Cortland Sutton was coming out. And he could become the focal point of that Broncos offense as Drew Locke gets a little bit better, which he should now with all the weapons he has around him too. So for me, Jerry Judy, where he's slipping, where he's going behind Jalen Rager in some drafts, and he's going behind Cam Akers, and you're getting Jerry Judy right around eight, nine. This is a guy in almost any other draft, we'd be talking about him being 1-1. And this draft class is so deep, we're not. And now you're going to have a guy in any other year that could potentially go 1-1, 1-2 at 1-8, 1-7, 1-9. That's outrageous. This is, this, it's, it's no fault to himself because look at where we have him. We have him ranked six. We have him six overall. And that's not even in drafts where people are taking Rager and Cam Akers ahead of him. So me, I'm still a really big Judy fan. I like the landing spot. I like Drew Locke's arm to get it in that thin air downfield to a guy like Jerry Judy with his speed. I think it's a great fit, but I also feel the same way I kind of felt about CeeDee Lamb. It didn't really matter where Jerry Judy would have went because I felt like it would have been a great fit because he's such an electric player. He's he's just he's a complete overall receiver that I'm a big fan of, and I can't wait to see him go out to Denver and just become that wide receiver one, wide receiver two. What do you guys think? I mean, you kind of mentioned in passing probably one of my biggest concerns about Jerry Judy this high in a draft. Um, you know, I think I had him at I think I had him ranked seven, so it's not like outrageous or anything like that uh, having him at six. But there's just so many miles to feed there um, with the Cortland Sutton, with you, you know Noah Fant, with Melvin Gordon, Philip Lindsay. They they drafted KJ Hamler. They have Deshaun Hamilton. Um, they they drafted Albert O as well at the tight end position, so it, it's just a lot of mouths to feed for a guy that uh, you know Jerry Judy, who obviously is going to win, he's going to get open. But uh, how many of those, you know, you said he's going to be a guy that's going to be catching ninety passes. I just don't, I just don't see it. Uh, I don't see that many targets coming his way. Cortland Sutton last year, I think, had one hundred and twenty or one hundred twenty four targets last year and caught seventy two of them. So, you know, I just don't, I don't know where he's going to get those hundred to hundred and fifteen targets. On top of that, with all those other guys, mouths to feed as well. Yeah, so it's it's a little bit of a muddy water. I I do like the player. I I think there could have been a better landing spot for him where he had a more clear path with maybe an older wide receiver, an aging wide receiver where where he gets a more natural um you know lead in time and then he takes over in a couple of years. 
But, you know, Cortland Sutton's, what is he, 24 years old or something like that? He's he's really young. He's going to be there for a long time. So it, it, there's just a little bit of an overlap for me and, and a lot of young talent on this team. So it makes it a little bit of muddy, muddy water for, for me anyway. So Jerry Judy, I like the prospect a lot. I, I have a couple guys ahead of him on, on the wide receiver pecking order, but I'm not going to fault anyone for taking him at six. Like that, that's fine so with we- me. So we know you have Justin Jefferson as your number two overall receiver, Matt. Do you have Jalen Rager now ahead of Jerry Judy in your rankings? Um, let me check. I don't think so. I th- I think he's still the third one. Yeah, he's the still third he, receiver. Yeah, he's okay. still my third wide receiver. Yeah, yeah, it'd have to because he would have to average out that way. Because I know Garrett has him as his number. Jalen Rager is what your number one, Garrett. I have Rager one, CD two, Judy three. Okay. So what do you what do you think of Judy here? We'll wrap it up with you, Garrett, about Judy in Denver. So it's interesting. I have I agree with basically everything you said, Rich. I think he is a fantastic player. I do think he is elite route runner. Um, the separation that he creates at junction points is is truly special. Um, some elite bend, some elite flex um, that that he's able to do. It's 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 very very special. There are some concerns that I have in his game. Um, not enough to say that you know he's not one of the best prospects in this class, uh, but I just don't think he has quite the safety that that CD Lamb does. And the one thing that I think hasn't really been brought up yet at all is we, after five games, six games, have now just come to the point where we've concluded that Drew Locke is a great quarterback. And I think it might be a little premature. I'm not saying he isn't or he can't be, but to for everybody to talk about how incredible this offense is going to be, you know, I, I liked Baker a lot more as a prospect, and we saw how last year came like turned out. So I, I just don't know that I'm quite ready to say that like this Denver offense is going to be everything we want and more. It very, very well could be. So don't hear what I'm not saying. It very well could be. I'm just not ready to say that with with certainty that Locke is the man. He's a top, you know, 12, 15 quarterback in the league, and it's going to be guns blazing from here on out. So I think this is the right spot for him. This 6 7 range is a very good spot. Although at this point, I really don't own many Judy shares because I think, you know, as we're going to see in our next episode, the players that, you know, are getting taken seven, eight spots later aren't that much different. And, you know, I would rather take the value and pick up the extra capital uh, and get some of those guys. So I think this is kind of the beginning of that next tier for me. And I'm with you too on that. I have no, I have no Judy shares either. And Garrett, I'm glad you brought up that point about Drew Locke. I meant to bring that up. I was looking at the stats before, before uh, when Rich was talking and yeah, you're right. He only has five games played. It's not like he like crushed it or anything. He had a thousand yards during five games. And seven seven touchdowns and three interceptions. So he, I mean, it's it's good. It's, it's good. It's not like a you know. It's not like he he didn't put together like a thirty touchdown season or something where where he played all sixteen exactly. Games. And now and now people have tape on him too. Exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't think anybody's gone on there and uh, prematurely uh, you know crowned him. A lot of people will say that premature for the bedroom. And for, <laughs> I think it's just. When, in those five games, he did. I mean, he looked way better than – it showed – I think people are excited that what he looked, did on tape in college. And he fixed a lot of the bad things he did in college and looked a lot better in those five games. I think – and all the weapons they did add around him, which was gonna should increase his odds of success, I think that's what you're excited about. I don't think anybody's going to sit here and take Drew Locke as their 15th overall, you know, top quarterback right. i think it's just a I, new I literally I, I literally i kid you not i was in a startup well i'm in too many but i was in a startup this past week where somebody took them as him as their quarterback eight wow overall overall quarterback eight and nine. well i mean and it's and that's just falling into the hype and but at the same time garrett that might be right around where he should slide in in the road and that's not a terrible pick because you get that youth in a super flex he, league so he could end I, up I, there I, I just think it's crowning him a little too early like i said and, and i see it i guess but i uh it's it makes me nervous yeah, it's risky. Definitely when you're taking somebody as your QB1 and that's Drew Locke, it's a little risky. Drew Locke said, I think it's more about people excited that have Drew Locke. You know sure. what I mean? That, Absolutely. That, that have him and like they're going into the season as, in a super flex league and he was your QB2 
Or, you know, maybe he was your QB3, and now you're like, oh, now it's going to be my QB2. And he he's somebody that I got good value in already in my draft. Absolutely. Look at what look at the potential there. So I think more people are just excited about the potential than anything else. But, of course, there's always people out there ready to prematurely uh, come into something different. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so, yeah, uh-huh. Yep. Uh, so <laughs> that's it. That's it. That's it for this show. We're going to pick up right where we left off of the nerd show. We got about another six players here. So we're going to give you players that we have ranked seven through 12 on the nerd herd episode. And we'll be back next week for you non nerd herd members. You, uh, you guys that, you know, you guys really need to get your act together out there and we'll be picking up right where we left off with players ranked 13 through 18. Is that right? 19, something like that. I'm not listen. I'm a dynasty analyst, not a mathematician. Okay, this isn't Goodwill Hunting. All right. So until then, we'll be back next week with another show talking rookies. In the meantime, make sure you get on dynastynerds.com. We have so much content on there for free that you can keep you busy on there for days during this quarantine. And of course, like I mentioned many times throughout the show, make sure you get a chance to join the nerd herd just to help you through your rookie draft, where you get our exclusive rookie rankings, superflex, IDP, standard. And we have our tools on there, the nerd score, the dynasty nerds film room to study these rookies as we start to put 2021 rookies in there as well. And so many more tools on the horizon. It's a great, great resource to help you build a dynasty fantasy football championship. And don't forget to like and subscribe to the dynasty nerds YouTube channel. If you like the podcast, well, we have more shows now on YouTube. We're giving you more dynasty content from the dynasty nerds than you've ever seen before. It's it's, it's fun. It's a lot of work, but man, do I love talking dynasty fantasy football, especially with my buddies, Matt and Garrett. So make sure you check that out. In the meantime, if you want to talk fantasy football, dynasty fantasy football, hit me up on Twitter. I'm at dynasty rich. I'm at dynasty Matt. I'm at dynasty price. Until then, we'll see you next week. Nerd herd. Adios. Nice.